0: Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I wanted to come talk to you about what a great God we serve. God is a God of miracles, and I just want to praise Him today for all that He's done in my life, and I hope you're praising Him for what He does in your life. I've entitled this, God Is, God Acts. You know, God doesn't sponsor accidents. He has a plan for you, if you'll listen Esther chapter 4 verse 14 says, For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God worked out all the details to put Esther in Asherai's palace to save the Jewish nation from Haman's evil plans. A coincidence or a miracle from God? God put Joseph in Egypt through well-planned circumstances to save his family and ultimately the Jewish nation. Joseph didn't know what was going on, but God did. A coincidence or a miracle from God? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. God has a plan for your life too. And if you'll listen and obey his promptings, you'll be so much better off than if you just try to run ahead and do your own thing. We often make a mess of our lives and then we try to blame God. Why did this happen to me? Why did you let this happen? Because uh, things are not turning out right. Then we try to blame him and say, God bless this mess. We can know God's will if we'll listen for God's direction. Isaiah thirty twenty one says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. Marty and I have often been amazed at how God has directed us in our ministry. Sometimes the plans we have uh, have gone clear away when we found ourselves someplace else where we didn't even expect because God put us there. We have learned that God puts us where he wants us, and we don't just end up where we're located by accident. Psalm 37:23 and 24 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. You know, sometimes God uses the strangest ways to provide his answers and his miracles. When Karen found out another baby was on the way, she did what she could to help her three-year-old son, Michael, become uh, prepared for a new baby. They learned that the baby was a girl, and day after day, night after night, Michael sang to his little sister in mommy's tummy. The pregnancy went normally for Karen, an active member of the Panther Creek United Methodist Church in Morristown, Tennessee. Then the labor pains came every five minutes, then every minute. But there were complications that uh, happened during labor and a C-section was required. Finally, Michael's little sister was born, but she was in serious condition. The ambulance rushed the baby to St. Mary's Hospital Neonatal Intensive Care in in Unit Knoxville. Each day the baby got worse. The doctor told the parents there's little hope, be prepared for the worst. Karen and her husband contacted a local cemetery about a burial plot. They'd fixed a spatial room for their baby, but now they were planning a funeral. Michael begged his parents to let him see his little sister. I want to sing to her, he said. Week two, the intensive care. It it looked like a funeral would come before the week was over. Michael kept begging to sing to his sister, but kids weren't allowed in the intensive care unit. Karen decided she'd take Michael, whether the hospital liked it or not, because if he didn't see his sister now, he might never see her alive. She dressed him in an oversized scrub suit and marched him into the ICU. He resembled a walking laundry basket. The head nurse bellowed, "'Get that kid out of here! No children are allowed in ICU!' The maternal instincts rose up strong in Karen. Usually she was a mild-mannered lady, but she glared into the head nurse's face. "'He's not leaving until he sings to his sister!' karen towed michael to his sister's bedside followed by the irate nurse he gazed at the tiny infant losing the battle to live and he began to sing in a pure hearted voice of a three-year-old and i would try to sing like a three-year-old but it's been 77 years since i was three years old but i will tell you what he sang. He sang, "'You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. "'You make me happy when skies are gray.'" Instantly, the baby responded. The pulse rate became calm and steady. "'Keep singing, Michael.' "'You never know, dear, how much I love you. "'Please don't take my sunshine away.' "'The baby's strained breathing became smooth as a kitten's purr. "'Keep singing, Michael. "'The other night, dear, as I lay sleeping, "'I dreamed I held you in my arms.' Michael's little sister relaxed as healing rest seemed to sweep over her. The bossy-head nurse's eyes filled with tears. Karen glowed. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Please don't take my sunshine away, lost the tune. Anyhow, soon the baby girl was well enough to go home. Woman's Day magazine called it the miracle of a brother's song. The medical staff just called it a miracle. Karen called it a miracle of God's love. A few weeks later, Michael's little sister was baptized at the Panther Creek Church. You know, God often puts people in our paths that he plans to use to bless us. Marty keeps praying that God will put someone in her brother Paul's path to speak to him about his need for Jesus Christ. We need to be aware of people around us. Has God put you in someone's path that he wants to use you to reach for him? Sally was eight years old when she heard her parents talking about her little brother Georgie. He was very sick. They'd done everything they could afford to save his life. Only a very expensive surgery could help, and that was out of the financial question. She heard her dad say in desperation, only a miracle can save him now. Sally got her piggy bank. She shook the change out on the floor and counted it. Tying the coins in a hanky, she slipped out of the apartment and went to the corner drugstore. She waited for the pharmacist to pay attention to her, but he was talking to another man. Sally scuffed her shoes. She cleared her throat. Finally, she took a quarter and banged it on the glass counter. "'Well, what do you want?' the pharmacist asked annoyed. "'I'm talking to my brother.' "'Well, I want to talk to you about my brother,' Sally answered, just as annoyed. "'He's sick, and I want to buy a miracle.' "'I beg your pardon?' said the pharmacist. "'My daddy says only a miracle can save him now, so how much does a miracle cost?' Well, we don't sell miracles, little girl. I can't help you. Listen, I have the money to pay for it. Just tell me how much it costs. The other man stooped down and asked, What kind of miracle does your brother need? I don't know, Sally answered. A tear ran down her cheek. I just know he's really sick and mommy says he needs an operation. But my folks can't pay for it, so I have my money. "'How much do you have?' asked the man. "'A dollar and eleven cents,' Sally answered proudly. "'It's all the money I have in the world.'" Uh, "'Well, what a coincidence,' smiled the man. "'A dollar and eleven cents, "'the exact price of a miracle to save a little brother.'" He took her money in one hand and grasped her mitten with his other hand and said, "'Take me to your house. "'I want to see your brother, and I want to meet your parents.'" Well, that well-dressed man was Dr. Carlton Armstrong, renowned surgeon and specialized in solving Georgie's malady. The operation was completed without charge. It wasn't long until Georgie was home and doing well. Mom and Dad were talking about the events that led them to this place. That surgery, Mom whispered, it's like a miracle. I wonder how much it would have cost. Well, Sally smiled. She knew exactly how much the miracle cost. One dollar and eleven cents plus the faith of a little girl. Was it an accident that the exact kind of of doctor would be at the drugstore when that little girl came in to find help? The recorder, uh, I, I don't think it was an accident. It wasn't just coincidence. It was God. The recorder, in September 1979, on page 25, told the story of a 19-year-old girl named Khun Payot, who escaped from Khmer Rouge rule in Cambodia after an arduous journey with a hundred others through miles of jungle canals, mountains, and rivers. Standing between them and freedom were communist soldiers, the elements and a stretch of jungle ground covered with thorns. Most of the escapees were barefoot or wore flimsy flip-flops. A dense darkness hampered the struggling group as they crossed the valley between the two high mountain ranges. We could see absolutely nothing, later it's told the missionary Maxine Stewart. We didn't even know where to step. Suddenly, hundreds of fireflies swarmed into view. Their glow made enough light for the people to see the path. The refugees reached the next mountain by firefly night, said Mrs. Stewart, firefly lights. After Piot was transferred to Comput refugee camp, she was invited to a Christian meeting. I know that man, she exclaimed at a picture on the wall of the chapel. He's the one who showed us the way to Thailand and freedom. And she pointed to a picture of Jesus Christ. Rabbi Zacharias told this true story in Reader's Digest about a man named Marcel Sternberger marcel sternberger rode the same long island subway train every day but one day his friend was critically ill and sternberger decided to visit him in the hospital to get there sternberger had to ride a a noon train that he'd never ridden before sternberger was surprised at the noontime crowds he walked into the subway car which he knew had no vacant seats One of the people seated realized uh, his stop was there and jumped up and ran out the door. Sternberger plunged into the vacant seat. They were all sitting there elbow to elbow and one person had the audacity to open a newspaper and start reading it. It was a Hungarian newspaper. Marcel Sternberger just happened to read Hungarian. Sternberger turned to the man and said, I see you're reading the classified ads. Are you looking for a job? The man answered, No, sir, I'm looking for my wife. I don't understand, Sternberger replied. Sir, explained the stranger, I used to live in Debrecen, Hungary. I was happily married, but during the war I was taken by Nazis to the Ukraine. When I returned, I found the Nazis had come into my home, taken my wife, and probably taken her to Auschwitz. My only hope is shortly after the Allies landed that my wife was one of those rescued. I'm assuming if she were safe, she had bought and, uh, and been brought to America uh, to be here. So I'm, I'm looking for my wife. I'm checking the newspaper to see if there's an ad placed by her. Now, Auschwitz was one of the most infamous Naz- uh, Nazi Death camps. Rudolf Hess had run Auschwitz. I can't speak very well here. Anyhow, He ran this prison camp for three years. He testified at the Nuremberg war crimes trials that over 2.5 million people had been executed there and thousands of others had been starved to death. Something about the story seemed hauntingly familiar to Marcel Sternberger. Suddenly, Sternberger remembered that some time before he'd been at a cocktail party and had been seated next to a woman from Hungary. She had said she used to, uh, to live in Debrecen and had been married to a man who had been taken to the Ukraine. She had been taken to Auschwitz. When she was rescued, she was brought to the New York City, not knowing if her husband was alive or dead. As this woman told her story, she explained she was praying that some day, she might meet her husband again. As Sternberger thought of the two stories, he wondered, was it possible there could be a match? He pulled out his wallet, took out a dog-eared piece of paper, and checked the paper which had the woman's name, Maria Paskin, and her phone number. Sternberger crumpled the piece of paper, put it back in his wallet, and said, "'Sir, what's your wife's name?' The stranger answered, my wife's name is Maria Paskin. Paskin." Sternberger asked, well, what is your name? My name is Bella Paskin. Sternberger then asked, Mr. Paskin, would you get off with me at the next station? I want to make a telephone call. But Sternberger didn't tell him why. He did ask him what his street address had been in Debrecen incredibly paskin got off the subway train with sternberger whom he had only met a few minutes before and without even knowing why keeping bella paskin some distance away sternberger then made a phone call when a woman answered the phone sternberger asked who is this maria came the reply maria do you remember me my name is marcel sternberger i met you at a party recently maria said yes she remembered Maria, what was your husband's name? she said he uh, he said. She said my husband's name was Bella Paskins. Maria, what was your street address where you lived there in Hungary? She gave him the street address. Everything matched, calling mister Paskin over. Sternberger said, Sir, you're about to witness the greatest miracle of your life, and he handed him the telephone. A puzzled Bella Paskin looked at the phone and then putting it up to his ear said tentatively hello you can imagine the rest of the story as Bella Paskin began crying his heart out and just repeating one word over and over Maria 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 listen to how readers digest ends this article they said skeptical people will no doubt attribute even such a memorial memorable afternoon to a mere chance, but was it chance that made Sternberger suddenly decide to visit his sick friend and take a subway line that he had never been on before? Was it chance that caused a man sitting by the door of the car to rush out just as Sternberger came in? Was it a chance that caused Bella Paskin to be sitting beside Sternberger reading a Hungarian newspaper? Was it a chance or did God ride the Brooklyn subway that afternoon? Ravi concluded the telling of this story with two simple statements containing a total of only four words. But those words are perhaps the most powerful sermon that I've ever heard. Beyond these two statements nothing else really matters. God is God acts. Listen, we don't always know what God is doing in our lives, but we can depend on the fact that he knows what he is doing, and what he is doing is always right. I've talked about some wonderful miracles today, but there is still another miracle we need to know about. It's the greatest miracle of all. It's the miracle of a loving God who saw that I was born a sinner and on my way to hell and decided to step into history to redeem my soul from sin and provide a way that I can be forgiven and have fellowship with God and a home in all eternity with him jesus paid the wages of sin for me because i could not pay them myself he shed his precious blood on a shameful cross to cleanse me of the rebellion and filth of this world that controlled my life then he adopted me into his family and has prepared a home in his heaven for me for all eternity where i can be joint heir with jesus christ All I had to do was repent of my sins, confess my sins to Jesus, ask him to save me, and then commit my life to serving him. He has done the same thing for you if you will accept him as your Savior. Talk about a miracle. Talk about a wonderful deal. Jesus Christ taking your sins and forgiving you of your sins and providing a way for you to be with him for all eternity. Like the hymn says, But when he saved my soul, cleansed, and made me whole, it was a miracle of love and grace and i would say claim that miracle today for yourself don't let yourself be caught dead without jesus christ dear father i would pray that you help today that each one that's heard my voice i've stumbled some but they got the message help them jesus to realize the importance of accepting you as their personal savior and living for you as they should and letting you work out the details of their life for them We praise you, God, because you loved us so much. Because your word says, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you for that everlasting life. We praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, you know how to get in touch with me. My email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at com, or you can write to me at Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. By the way, you can check out my podcast if you want to. It's under lowercase church of the galilean that's g-a-l-i-l-e-a-n all in in uh, run together letters it's church of the and uh, i think when you get there you'll be able to not only hear this sermon but a lot of the sermons i have preached in the past god bless you i hope you're having a wonderful uh week